Hello, I'm Dave Berry. Some three and a bit years ago, our daughter Evie came into this world and shortly after, so did this, the dad pod. It's become a wonderful way to sit and talk with interesting people about their interesting lives and of course their parenting experiences. And this time out, my guest is a writer, actor, and one of the nation's best loved comedians. He's also a father of four. It's Jack D. Hey, Jack. Hello, Dave. How are you? Very good, man. I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast at long last. And I am very impressed with the fact that so many of us squandered our time in lockdown, but not you. You, you trained as a psychotherapist at the Rice Slip College of Advanced Learning. I did, yeah. I was, um, I was asked to write a, a book as, a, as an agony uncle for the nation. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I'll do it properly. So I, I, I took the time out and got myself trained. And uh, I can honestly say for the moment, I, I signed on to the, uh, the online uh, forum until later in the afternoon when I got the certificate of completion. It's one of the best things I've done. <laughs> and here's the results. Uh, this is your book, What Is Your Problem? Uh, as you say, you provide invaluable and incredibly professional advice to people faced with some of life's major dilemmas. Uh, everything from smug friends who have moved to the countryside uh, mm -hmm. and returned to, to a town. Uh, uh, what hat should a guy buy who's lost his hair? Conspiracy theorists staying for Christmas. Uh, the color of one's beard and becoming a nosy neighbor. Uh, was there anything that you weren't willing to tackle in your new book, Jack? It, no, there were very few subjects I was, uh, I was able to uh, apply, apply my expertise to uh, nearly every type of dilemma, I feel, um, and help people through that very difficult time. It was, um, but it was, it, was, it was a good way to spend my lockdown anyway. It, just sort of let, it meant I could lock myself away in the study and just do my own thing. And uh, I had actually started a tour, so suddenly having that whipped away from you was a bit sort of disorientating and it was just nice to have another pro another project to go on so i was very lucky to have that to do but uh, no it's been that's been out for a little while now that book's been uh, been okay well it's a it's a wonderful read um when, when i announced that you were coming on the dad pod we put it out there to our followers and we, we have a couple of um kind of correspondence that we'd like your help with jack if that's possible oh yeah um jordan in oxford got in touch saying hi jack my son refuses to eat his vegetables and frankly i'm getting sick of it i spend hours slaving away over his dinner every night and he just ends up playing with his greens instead of eating them he can be very ungrateful rude about my cooking and i worry about his health he's not getting his five a day he's going to be turning 19 later this year how can i get him to eat his peas jack 19 it's way too late you you've messed up you know you, you this is stuff he should have learned when he was three or four you now he's 19 he's he's a he's a man baby you, you've wrecked him you know i i just think you know he he's never he's 19 legally he can clip him around the ear and say get on with it honestly <laughs> the guy he'll he'll starve otherwise he'll, you know he'll and then he might start eating but it's uh it's a terrible pity fussy eaters drive me to distraction i can't stand it because I'm, I'm old enough to be that age where if you didn't eat, you know, you didn't get anything else. That was it. It was the old fashioned thing. Don't eat your greens. You don't get anything else. And so, uh, I, that's how I did it. And I can see the sense in it now. Do you think there's just too much, there's too much choice available and how so many things just be delivered to your door nowadays? You know, the adverts you, you hear on the radio people. So, you know, you, you, you just get anything delivered. I mean, it's bad enough to go and eat a, you know, a, a hamburger for breakfast, which you can do. But to get it delivered, so all you, all you actually have to do is, is get to the front door. 
and and take it and then go and and then sort of one of the the, the, the advert talks about all oh, the joy of getting to the front door and then and then eating chips as you make your way to the telly. I mean, for God's sake, what are we doing to ourselves? It's just, it's no wonder that, you know, with heart disease on the rise, you know, we're all big, you know, slobs now. This is what we're turning ourselves into. And that, that kid who won't eat his greens, you know, so that's, that's a typical example of it. There you go, Jordan. Well put, Jack, as they are throughout the book. I, I, I complained about my lower back aching the other day as I was taking the shopping, the weekly shopping through my front door. And I just realized yeah. the hunter-gatherer is in me is, is not alone. <laughs> gone. Oh, no. we, very, we live very, uh, very spoiled lives. But, you know, as long as you supplement that inaction with uh, going to the gym or something, you know, you're probably all right. Or walking somewhere at least, you know. I mean, my GP said that all you have to do is 20 minutes walk a day. Basically, that's it. That, that is enough to keep things going. And anything on top of that is a bonus. So it's not, it's not that much you have to do, really. God. But it's surprising how easy it is to do that, you know. It, and we, we take it for granted that eating like that is perfectly all right. But it's not. It makes sense. If you want to be, you know, if you, your role models are, you know, athletes or super fit people, look at how they achieve that. And hopefully not through steroids, but how they do it. It's not, you know, I'm watching Wimbledon at the moment. This is when we're recording this. And, uh, you know, in the breaks, when they sit down, they, they have banana, don't they? they what if one of them sat down and just got a Big Mac out of their bag? You know, <laughs> it hasn't happened. So there's a reason. Because, yeah. you know, it's better, to, it's better to eat healthy stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, the whole, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a thing for fresh food and stuff. It's one of my tour. It's very easy. I'm not slim anyway, but it's very easy to put even more weight on when you're on tour because it's uh, you're always eating at the wrong time of day because I don't like to eat before a show and then after the show everything's closed, so you tend to it tends to be sandwiches if you're not careful. So now what I do is I stop at most of my service stations. Thank goodness you can get there. There are supermarkets at these places now. It never used to be the case, but you can get fresh fruit, fresh salad. So I stock up on all that and I and I just try and eat that stuff while I'm on the road because otherwise it's just going to be, it's going to be end-to-end kebabs and curries and really terrible stuff. You know, I'm no saint, by the way. It means that I can indulge in things that I do like, like a beer and, and so on and so forth. But uh, I just, oh, no. I, and I, and I, it makes me sad to see kids being brought into that, into that sort of environment where they don't know anything else other than to go and get fast food. You know, it's, it's, it's a disaster, really. I think obviously you're so right. Uh, first of all, and moderation is key. And you know, you, everyone should have a little bit of what they oh, like. A, but have it as a treat. You know, it's great. Yeah. So when when you know, because you know you know what's coming when you go on tour, like you are at the moment. You're doing dates up and down the UK over the coming months. When did you decide personally to make that change? You know, so that that you realised when you did get back at one in the morning, the only thing available on the room service menu would be chicken tikka masala or whatever it may yeah. be, and and yeah, then you had to stop off. There just came a point where I just thought this, this is depressing. It's, it is, you know, because then everywhere you go, you, uh, you are literally, li- you're living the wrong end of the clock from everyone else. And so, uh, when you want to eat, everything's closed, uh, apart from the places where it's perhaps not that healthy, great to have a curry at the end of a tour, you know, come on, let's you know, I don't tour with, with a lot of people, but I've got a tour manager and sound technician or something. And, uh, but not, you know, and when I was younger, I did it all the time. You do it all the time, but you, you just, you just can't, you have to adjust as you get a bit older because you, you do put the weight on very quickly and they don't, don't lose it quickly like you used to, but it's, uh, just generally, and it's also depressing. You know, I, I'd much rather feel I'm not completely 
damaging myself in the process of doing something that I actually love to do. So it makes more sense to just to sort of eat, eat healthily if you possibly can look after yourself. And if you, and also, you know, I do this, it's long term. I do it every night. I can't do that. I can't, can't eat and drink like that, but constantly. Otherwise, you know, I just sort of, you know, explode. Yeah. If you, but if you're feeling better about yourself, you look better suited and booted as you always are on stage, Jack, people get mm. a better show because you're, you're in the, in the right kind of mindset, as you say, because it can be all jokes aside, very depressing. It's, it can be a spiral. It can be a spiral and you get, so you got to watch out for that. But as you, as you rightly point out, you know, every show is going to be, uh, hopefully an occasion for the people who, who paid to come and see it. So it's my duty to make sure I'm in the best possible state of mind and physique, you know, body, bodily, I'm fit, fit to do the show uh, as well as I possibly can. And I won't, I won't let myself off if I, if I, um, you know, I won't go on with a hangover or any of those things. I'm just not going to do it. And, uh, it's just important when people pay to see you, mm. it's, I, I think it's a big deal. I've never taken that for granted ever. Um, right at the early days, it was about 92, 1992, I was doing a show in Leeds, uh, the Leeds city in variety. And, um, my dressing room, there was a window and I could overhear the people queuing to get in and I could hear people saying, oh, this, these tickets are my birthday present or, oh yeah, I saved up for four weeks to get these tickets. And it, it absolutely hit me like a train. I thought, wow, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, really matters that I, I do the best I can every single night for everyone, whether I feel like it or not. Um, so you gotta, you gotta take the whole thing very, very, you know, very seriously, the whole serious business of comedy but to, to, to do it to your best of your ability you've got to uh, make some sacrifices and make sure that you know you do take it i'm not going to just sort of just just rock up and you know with with you know food down my front and get on stage in a you know grubby t-shirt or something yeah. i'm going to make an effort well you know and i count myself as one of them but all the fans are going to be really pleased to hear that that's you you, you know you you find you see that about your crowd. You appreciate the fact the audience have turned out, and we, you know, we're thrilled to be there. Um, going back a little step, you know, uh, obviously Jordan in Oxford. You say her son's now nineteen. Your children are all adults. But how did you implement? Because it's clearly really important to you, which is great to hear. How did you implement kind of healthy eating with them when they were younger? And I imagine being away as you were, whether that be recording TV or on tour. You know, your wife Jay must have had to do that kind of disciplinarian yeah. stuff on on her okay. own. Is that yeah, well, funny, Jack? She, yeah, she did a great job. And I was I'm mm. very, very lucky that we got, you know, a, a terrific kind of partnership like that. And, and, mm. and, and, and for us, it worked doing it that way. And I would temper anything I say by saying that this isn't, this isn't a campaign against uh, uh, people who, who, who are doing their best and, and still finding it very difficult because it is hard. It's a really, really tough gig to, to raise kids and you make mistakes and you get it wrong and people point their finger. So it's, it is hard. And the healthy eating thing is, is a very difficult thing to implement and sustain um, because part of money, it takes a lot more work and it's, and it's expensive sometimes as well. It can be more expensive to get fresh food. It has to be remembered. So I'm not one of these people who's pointing fingers at people because they put crisps in their children's lunch bag, at, you know. But um, the, to answer your, your question uh, about how we did it to some extent, we achieved it is by um, getting them involved in cooking. And it became, I like cooking. So I, it's a, it, for me, it's, a, it's I'm happy to cook. Jane is a really good cook, and, but when I'm home, she's happy to let me do the cooking. And so all the kids grew up with us always cooking. And before you know it, they want to have a go. And, um, and that, that is, that's helpful. So I do think involve them in, in the preparation of food is a great thing. 
And, um, and I don't, I, and I think also this, if you say you don't like a thing, you just say, well, you don't like it today, but try it again tomorrow or next week because your palate changes. And, um, you might be put off something because you've had, you know, the old, in the old days when it was school dinners and you might say, oh, I don't like, I don't like rhubarb because it was always horrible at school dinners, but actually it's an incredible thing to eat. Rhubarb was an amazing ingredient. So those things are, those things are important, but I do think, yeah, the, the, the real key is to get involved in the, and involved in the, in the making of the food and preparing it, if you can do it. I mean, I'm, look, again, I'm making myself out to sound like a goodie two shoes. There are times when, because I like to cook. And the kids, can I join in? I will go away. I want to do it on my own. No, <laughs> yeah. Why? You know, so, but, but if you possibly can, um, and share it with them as a process. And before you know it, and the great, the great thing that, that is that all my kids now cook and they'll, they'll cook for us, which is when they come oh, home. Perfect. And that, that is really nice. That's a special thing. And, and they do it and they, and they're good cooks, you know, so that's good. And they're obviously living a, away from home and they, uh, can look after themselves, look now to cook. And when my sons went to university. They, 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 their, all their roommates and stuff were surprised. They didn't, that they knew how to cook. They didn't, you know, how do you, how do you know how to cook that? It's only simple stuff, but he, he was amazed that people didn't know how to cook that. You know, how you don't know how to cook pasta, you know, it's this kind of yeah. thing, basic. So it doesn't have to be complicated stuff, but you know. Um, to, to go back a step into what you were saying so brilliantly and eloquently is, is, you know, regular listeners to this podcast will know we, we never point fingers at, people because we know how difficult it can be oh, to yeah. be parents and and i think that just goes about saying jack and we know that's not what you what you what you're mm. putting across we had a greg wallace master chef superstar on uh, as a previous one of the things he did with, with his children was they would get to pick an ingredient at the supermarket so to make it a little bit fun they get to point at this kind of you know strange you know erotic vegetable uh, yeah. exotic not erotic or maybe <laughs> it was. Uh, and then they get to be part of the process of cooking it when they got home so it's a really yeah. smart idea jack and, and his uh, son who he's doing this with isn't an adult yet so to hear that, that that your boys are cooking for their friends and other students at uni and stuff is it's really great to hear yeah and it, and it's a, it, it's a thing that happened almost almost by accident we weren't really even conscious of doing it at the time and that's the thing and and uh you know you can even 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 start by just you know getting them involved in in eating the stuff that you eat and trying the stuff that you eat i mean i'm i i i've um i, I find kids menus slightly annoying because they're usually a, a really unhealthy option and, and and most most children are perfectly happy to eat what what you're eating on the whole you know it doesn't need to be uh, and once you start dividing it up like that, then you're really setting a problem up for later on when they're thinking, well, actually I prefer fish fingers and that's what I want to eat. You know, nothing wrong with fish fingers, but there are, there's other stuff out there. You don't want to be ordered on a first date when, when, when you're in a, when your children are adults, yeah. they're on their first date, they're having a romantic yeah. evening, they order fish fingers, chips and peas. Not yeah, good look. They, no, it's not, it's not, the, it's not the most sophisticated thing, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a bottle of Ribena, please. <laughs> Now, two friends of mine, two separate sets of friends of mine have both been uh, blessed with, but were absolutely shell-shocked by the arrival of twins into mm. their families. Uh, when did you first hear the news that, that, that you and Jane were expecting twins? And, and how, what was your initial reaction to it, Jack? Well, I mean, they were, the boys were born in, uh, in 1998 and um, we didn't know until Jane uh, went for her, um, her scan, uh, went for a scan, I think 16 weeks. So it's, it's quite late to find out, uh, for these days. Um, and, um, so I was making a show at ITV 
and um, I got Paige to come to the uh, to the to the to the front desk. I'm glad you've been to that building. Remember the old one that where the ITV studios yeah. were. So I, I thought I better go, I better go and see what's going on. And I went there. And Jane was there, and also and our and, and our two daughters. And uh, and I remember them running towards me with this photo in their hand, going, "There it is, my friend." And that was and that's, <laughs> that's how it found out. But uh, yeah, wow, they hadn't found out that since um, Miles was a little bit was a little bit smaller, was kind of hiding behind Charlie. And, and um, in fact, I, I do know this was an obstetrician and um, who said that until quite recently, it was very commonplace not to know you were having twins until until the the birth. They didn't have ways of, of detecting it, you know, and that you, before you had the scan and you could actually see other stuff, it was very, it was very common to not know until the actual day of being born. You have one and you think, oh, oh there's something else in there as well. And so that was the second one. So can you imagine that? I mean, finding that out. Oh, wow. You know, that's, yeah. Those are the days when you could have a cigar in the waiting room, mind you know. <laughs> um, Jack, you know, you are on tour. We, we, we've talked about the, the fact that you're doing uh, shows all across the UK over the coming months. You can go and check out uh, where Jack is, uh, when he's going to be there uh, on the Off The Curb website. When the, the, you seem like s such a tight family, you know, having only spoken to you briefly about it yourself, but having, you know, read various things and listened to other things, you know. But when you're staying in hotels... Were you, and I asked this of comedians and musicians I've had on the dad pod, was it a case of, yes, I'm on my own in a hotel room or was it all about missing the kids? Wh which camp did you fall into, Jack? The first one. <laughs> Honestly, but, but, you know, we had, um, we, we had four children under the age of six. So uh, when, when I was, you know, and I was relatively not, not, not starting out at all in comedy. I was, I was well established actually, but um so I, I just, I just said to my agent, book me a tour. I want to go. I'm, I just want to be here really. I'm, 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 and, uh, I'm afraid I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible like that. I left Jane to it for long periods of time. And, uh, and I think she kind of preferred just, just to get on with the chaos of it. And, uh, she yeah. gets someone in to help so that just so she could have a break and go off and do the shopping, you know? So listen, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm an absolute, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. This is something you need to know about me. I'm not, I'm not a nice guy. And so I just happily, you know, I, the tour manager would turn up with a nice car. I'd literally crawl in the back seat, go to sleep, get woken up at the gig and do it. And, you know, that was how I got through it at the time. Um, it was, uh, it was, and it was just, and then you have to lie, you know, you have to lie about you know, having a nice time. So I'd be in a hotel, honestly, I, I once, I once had a gig, it was a corporate gig I had to do in Monte Carlo and I was, I was staying at the, the, uh, the big fancy hotel that's in all the Bond movies. I think it's the, 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 the Hotel des Anglais. And I had a, and I had a balcony overlooking the bay and everything, all these super yachts. And uh, at this um, room service breakfast, this big trolley with fresh fruit and all kinds of stuff arrives. And then Jane rings. And she says, oh, who are you? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm all right. And, and, and I said, you sound a bit good. Yeah, I've had a sore throat all night. And there was nothing, nothing in, the, I had baked beans for breakfast because there's nothing else. I just opened a tin of baked beans. And she said, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. <laughs> terrible. Go on. I think it's sort of French travel lodge of some sort, but I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> Get her off the phone and enjoy my breakfast. That was, that's, that's how bad I am. I mean, you know, this is not, this is not a good person. <laughs> Jack, I've been such a fan of yours for so many years. I've seen you live so many times. I've seen the TV specials and stuff. And, and the way in which you've used parenting and kids 
over the course, uh, you know, of the last 20 plus years, it has been, of course, very funny, very smart. One of my favorite bits you did was uh, I love the, the, the prim and proper family. Our son's reading Harry Potter as he's smearing his own up the French door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my all-time greats. So, I mean, I can ask about how, you know, what your kids do that are funny, but I was interested in um, how have, how have the other parents, what were you like at the school gates? What were you like at the, did you do the NCT class and meeting those prim and proper parents? You know, yeah. was that a thing in your life? And how did you yeah. handle that as Jack D? I did. I did do it all, and you know, you 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 go you go with it, and it's not until afterwards you kind of sometimes you look back and realise what a load of nonsense that was. Um, I, 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 so um, other other parents, I think, I don't know what they really thought of it. Of course, everyone likes to think that they're not the one you're talking about, whereas quite often they would be. Uh, but there's also a sort of confessional element to it that you recognise in yourself that you. This is this is a tendency I've recognised, and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know find some there, there will be there's some comedy in here, and I'm gonna exploit that. Um, and then yeah, that that was that was uh, the the my my stand up has always been a kind of rolling review of my life. So as a result, it's not I'm not I'm not a political comedian or anything like that, but I do like to talk about stuff that's right there under your nose, and uh, and to find that common denominator with a, a very disparate group of people in the audience who who have very different. Uh, experiences, but do recognize what you're talking about. And that can be very unifying, can't it? And, um, and people enjoy that, you know, recognizing that someone else is, and I love that in particular is to articulate something and then, and then get the recognition from the audience. Yes, that's right. That is what happens. And I, and, 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 and it's, a, it's, 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 um, very rewarding to find the comedy in those little areas that, that has been there all the time and no one has picked up on. Well, just to add to that, Jack, and it's, it's only really just occurred to me, but I can almost quote these bits verbatim. And, and I, mm. I watched you do them before I was a parent and I found them hysterical. And now I'm going to find them even funnier because I know exactly what you're talking about because I meet those other parents at the nursery gates. Yeah, the second bite of the comedic cherry for, for me. Yes, Jack. yes, there will be. And you'll recognize it all. And it's, it, it's all out there. But we, we all go a bit bonkers when we have children. I mean, it, you know, there's no question. It, it, it changes your entire outlook and, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you can't, you can't help it. You know, it's, it's, it's for, for women is it's a hormonal thing that just, just kicks in and it's incredibly powerful uh, and it changes you in ways that you, you always thought you wouldn't be changed it by. Um, and as much as you, you kick against it, you can't help it because it's, it's such a fundamental thing. It's, 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 it's quite, it's quite an animal instinct, isn't it? When, mm. when you've got, you've got your, your offspring, these are your, your little ones. And you, and cause you know, you, you, you know, then that this is something you would, you would lay down your life for. Well, and it's exactly like hearing things like that, which is why I, I wanted to start this podcast in the first place. And, and over the run of it, I've been given some fantastic advice from people like Sir Mo Farah and Tyson Fury and Tim Minchin and Anthony Horowitz and Rob Beckett and Chris and Rosie Ramsey. And so my question to you, as I, as I like to ask all of my guests, what would be your best piece of parent advice? I, I love the fact we've, we've touched on eating and cooking and, you know, and it's been that yeah. kind of stuff. Is, is there anything else you'd add in there for the subscribers? Yeah, well, my gosh, uh, I don't know where I'd start with that because, um, you know, you're always learning. That's one thing. I was once given a piece of, well, here's a weird thing. It's, it, it, it sounds like I'm name dropping now, but I will, because it's, it's interesting, the source of this piece of advice, because it's, it turned out to be something that I, I actually did take on board. But when, uh, when our daughters were very, uh, were, were small, I, uh, was, um, given the, I had, I interviewed, uh, Meatloaf, the late, 
great meatloaf. Right? So I know you would have given me a million years. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you didn't expect that to come up, and he uh, he was uh, he and he, and he was he ended up kind of interviewing me because he was kind of a lovely bloke and very very interested in in people. That it turned out, and he had a he was talking about his 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 family and his daughters and and. Um, and he said to me, one thing I'll tell you is always, always keep the communication open with your kids. Always never shut it down. Always make sure they can, they can tell you stuff. And always make sure you can talk through stuff with them. Uh, don't make home the enemy. Um, you know, that, that they, they don't want to bring stuff home, which is about them. So, and, and, and I, I suppose at the time I didn't fully appreciate what he was saying, but it is stuck. Those words stuck with me. And I, I remember thinking, Keep it, always keep the communication open. And as long as you're talking to your kids and, and they're talking to you more importantly, really, um, and you're listening, um, things, things will find the way through. You won't always have the answers. You can't and, and neither will they. Um, but the fact that they know that they can turn to you when things are tough and it's, it, I, I'll be honest, it's probably not me as much as Jane that they always, you know, talk to I mean, they want, why, who, why would you want come to me with your problems really but at least they've got this amazing jane to talk to mm -hmm. and we and, and we can talk about stuff and and and, and uh, you know you don't need to be you don't need to be the stage in the room you just need to listen you you don't necessarily have to have the answers it's probably better if you don't try and propose answers but to listen and to be there with whatever resources you possibly have and and i think that's um an instinct that sometimes we overlook with our kids is just keep, keep it so that they, you know, if they're, um, worried they've done something wrong, that they're not going to hide it from you. If you, if, if, if they'll come to you and say, look, this has happened and I'm, I'm worried, um, then you're being a good parent because they knew they could come to you. And that's very powerful. That's an incredible and powerful, as you say, piece of advice. And there's a, there's almost a generational thing in this as well. I, I was fortunate enough to have an open dialogue with, with my parents, as I still do, and I, and I hope to have that with my daughter she gets older. Yeah. We spoke to Anthony Horowitz last time, and he had absolutely no communication with his dad whatsoever. And, and that was mm. almost like as soon as he had his two sons, what, what, meat, <laughs> what Meatloaf said to you became almost his number one priority as a dad. He yeah. used to yeah. always make sure they could talk to him. Yeah. And, uh, like I say, if you've, if you've got that, then you've got, uh, and, and it's not, by the way, it's not all about, you know, sharing problems. It's about sharing the joys in your life as well. And, and being able to have fun and chat and stuff and, uh, you know, so you can become very, uh, and I think, I think, you know, this isn't me handing down anything wise because there are some far greater parents out there than me. I think that's pretty obvious, but, uh, you know, I'm always touched on like, you, when you, when you see, people out and about with their kids and especially if they still get on with them well when they when they're adults um then you know you see this is this is, it's something of a miracle actually because with parenting you know you, you, you people say oh you know you get a chance it's the greatest gift in uh, in life but yes it is but it's a gift you don't you don't get to unwrap for about 14 years you don't really know who's there yeah, until they they get to that stage and then you know so long as you've done that bit of nurturing them and allowing them to go out there and fall over and, you know, make mistakes and do all that stuff, you, you know, then you'll find that you've, 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 you've got the makings of a, a, of a kind of a person who can be contented in life. And that, that's what you want for them. 
it, it, in my research for talking to you uh, today, Jack, uh, there was a really simple line you delivered on, on a, another podcast and you said, like, you get to have a beer with your sons. Yeah. Such a simple sentence, but yeah. contains so much. And you've just explained it all perfectly there. But I think it's not just about sharing problems, but to be able to sit down and sh- talk about your interests over a cold beer with your two yeah. sons. and your Yeah, it, it is a nice thing, you know. It's, it's, it, 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 it's hopefully... If you, uh, you know, it, 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 it develops into something of a friendship. I, 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 I'm not a one who believes that being a parent is like, you know, oh, I, that my, my kids, we're just friends, really. I don't believe that. You're, you're not. You're not friends. You're, you are their parents. Yeah. Their friends are the ones who say, you know, yeah, drink a bottle of vodka and then go swimming. You know, and, and a parent won't say that. So there is a difference, you know. Um, so I. I don't believe that, but to, for there to be an element of friendship is a, is, is, a, is a lovely thing, but it's a very, it's a very special and very blessed thing. If you have it, it's great. Um, well, on that note, and finally, Jack, your kids hear this back in 15 years from now. What would you like to say to them? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's, it, 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 Philip Larkin summed up very nicely. And I, 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 you know, you go into these things believing you're going to avoid all the mistakes that everyone else makes and you don't, you just can't. And, um, uh, I think, you know, mistakes are what you're going to make along the way. It's, it's, it's a question really of, of, uh, how you incorporate the, 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 the resolution of those mistakes and, 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 and help them through in that way. And, you know, hopefully they'll go on to make their own mistakes with their kids and I'll be the granddad. And they say, oh, why can't you be more like granddad? And they say, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, Jack is on tour doing shows up and down and around the country. Go check out when he's near you off the curb is the website you need to go to. And Jack D what is your problem available now in paperback, uh, a very entertaining read Jack. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being so warm and funny and informative. It has been an absolute joy having you on the dad pod. Thank you, Jack. Pleasure. Thank you, Dave. Brilliant to chat to the one and only Jack D there, one of my favourite comedians of all time, in case you couldn't tell. Uh, The paperback edition of his book, What Is Your Problem, is available right now to buy. Feel free to recommend the dad pod to a friend who you think might find it useful or enjoyable. And as ever, thanks again for listening. Listener.